Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your people. Thank you for Jesus who's made a way, who is the mediator between God and man, who is the bridge who has gapped and made provisions for the sins of the world. And Father, I step back now so the spirit of the living God can speak to your people through me. And I thank you in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow our lives as we stay in faith towards your word. And I pray now that every heart, every mind, every spirit will hear what the Spirit of God is wanting to say in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, last week we had a guest speaker who spoke on the subject of canvas to vastness. Everybody say canvas to vastness. And if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go and watch it on YouTube. It is there now. In fact, if you have not listened to it again, I want you to go and listen to it. And the overall theme of that message really was to help us understand the importance of the local church and what part we play, as well as embracing the overall vision that God has given the kingdom and also God has given the leaders of his church. And so, uh, Word of Truth Family Church, we're in a unique position in my opinion as a church because we have the opportunity to serve our community and then those who God brings in a brand new beautiful facility come on let's just give the Lord a hand clap for our facility and you and I we get to function as if we are a new church and I believe God took 13 years of us being a mobile church to prepare us for such a time as this. And so over the next few weeks, everybody say over the next few weeks. Over the next few weeks, I need every member of Word of Truth Family Church to act like they are a member and come to church. Touch your name and say, he is talking to you right now. And here's why, because the vision that God has given us as a church is, to about, is about to expand and accelerate. And just a note for those of you who view yourselves as a visiting member, and, and if you didn't know, a visiting member is a person who have visited so much that our members think that you are a member. But I discovered lately that visiting members even think they're members. So, so I'm about to grow the visiting member right now. I'm about to grow you right now, okay? There are some benefits. Say benefits. There are some benefits uh, that a committed member of Water Truth Family Church is uh, 
you know, that they get. Number one, all of our members get free counseling, financial assistance, uh, house and business blessings. If you didn't know, we did that. We do. We provide family counseling. And then overall, spiritual covering. And that's not part of being a visitor. Amen. You have visited long enough. Touch your neighbor and say, he's about to grow you. He's about to grow you. You have visited long enough to know if this is your church or not. Stop being like the world who lives together before they get married. That's called shacking, if you didn't know. Okay, stop shacking and make a commitment. And hopefully after my message and after my series that I'm going to be doing today, it'll encourage you to commit to being a member of a local church. Amen? So if you're taking notes today, my message title is Grow With The Flow. Grow With The Flow. And it's going to turn into a series, so you might as well call it that. And the purpose of today's message and the series is to show us the direction that we're going as a church And then the changes that we're going to have to make as a church. And uh, this same principle, it's also this, this principle of change in order to grow, not only applies to us as a church, but it applies to you as a person. So some of the principles that I'm going to give you this morning, I'm not just talking about changes that a church has to make. You can also look at this as changes you will have to make if you want to grow in any relationship, if you want to grow at your job, have a way you want to grow as a spouse, these principles will apply as well. So if you have your Bibles, there are two primary texts we're going to use today. We're going to use Psalm 92 verse 13, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 92 13, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1 verses 1. That was Psalm 92, 13, and then Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. Years ago, everybody say years ago. Years ago, our church was about uh, five years old or so, and I think we had about 250 to 300 people. And, And at that time, I knew everybody. And when I say I knew everybody, I knew everybody. I knew every member of their family. I knew the name of everybody that that, that came. As a matter of fact, I would even learn the visiting members' names because they came on a regular basis. But I distinctly remember the day when I was struggling. That's three words, struggling. I remember the day that I was struggling to remember everybody's name. And this not only frustrated me, but, but it bothered me too because at the time I felt that as a, uh, as a pastor, a good pastor, watch this, meant that I knew everything about everybody. That's what I thought being a good pastor was, is that I knew everybody's name and I knew everything about everybody. And so God saw me struggling because it was a big struggle for me. And so one day the Lord came to me. He says, Evan, he says, let me ask you a question. And I believe this was a life-changing, life-altering, likewise this ministry-altering question for my life. He says, Evan, would you rather know everybody at the church or do you want my kingdom to grow? I had to think about that. Simple question. Do you want to know everybody in the church or do you want my kingdom to grow? Which told me that both of them couldn't happen at the same time. 
God knew that I only had a certain capacity to remember everybody and that if I was going to choose that route, then it would eventually mean that the growth of our church would be impacted. And I knew without a doubt that the ministry that God had given me was supposed to reach more than just two or three hundred people. So I had to make a decision. Touch your neighbor and say he had to make a decision. I had to make a decision that day. And I had to say, God, I want your kingdom to grow. Amen. And I've had to make many adjustments over the years as our church has grown. I know our church has grown. It's not just impacting you. It's impacting me as well. I had to make that adjustment. I used to call all of the visitors who visited. And that was some of you all's greatest thing. You would tell the person, hey, come visit my church. My pastor will call you. And so you would bring tons of people. And I would spend weeks, you know, just dialing numbers and calling people. And, and I'm, how many got a call when you first visited from me? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, you can see that number has dwindled. Because I reached a point where I couldn't do it anymore. Amen. When we moved in this building, the biggest change that I've had to make as a pastor is because I used to greet at the door. I would see everybody leaving and coming, leaving and coming. Even if they didn't stop and talk to me, I would see them leaving and coming. Well, I don't greet at the door anymore. And because I don't, I don't know who's coming or going because we have so many exits in this place now. And when I'm preaching, I don't necessarily see faces. So I don't know if somebody came to church or not. Everybody say he had to make a change. I had to make a change. Amen. And at every growth level, I've had to make these changes. And so the verse we're about to read really helps us see that there is a synonymous relationship between growth and change. Everybody say growth and change. So let's read Psalm 92. We're going to read it out of the King James Version, and then we're going to read it into the Amplified. Uh, let's put it up on the screen. It says, the righteous, watch this now. This is in the King James Version. The righteous shall flourish, say flourish, flourish like the palm tree. He, the righteous, shall grow. Everybody say grow. Grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now the word flourish there, if you're taking notes, it means to bloom, to spring forth. But watch this. Here's a key word. It means to grow. So when we read this word flourish, it means to grow. Let's go back and read that verse again and put that in there. The righteous shall grow like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall grow in the course of our God. Verse 14. These people who have been planted in the house of the Lord and who are growing in the course of our God, they shall still bring forth what class? Fruit, even in their old age, they will be fat and flourishing or fat and growing. This word flourish is also found in Hosea chapter 14 verse 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. And this word flourish shows up actually as the English word grow like I've been uh, uh, changing it to. It says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow, that's the word flourish in the Hebrew, as the lily and cast forth his roots in Lebanon. In other words, the word grow means to flourish. And what happens is the only way that, and here's the principle I want you to catch, the only way that you and I are going to grow is that we're going to have to change. 
If you're going to grow in your relationship, in your marital relationship, if you want to grow, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to change. The only way that we know that a baby is growing is a baby is changing in its size. And so for you and I to grow, we have to change. Amen. And that principle, I want you to notice that being planted in God's house results in us growing, which means it it results in us changing. And that's why sometimes the devil, if he wants to derail your life and derail your growth, he targets your church commitment and your attendance first. Touch a neighbor and say, he's coming down your street in a minute. If the devil wants to derail your life, and derail your growth, he targets your church commitment and attendance first. I know it looks like he's after your marriage. I know it looks like he's after your money. But what he's really after is your first love. Because if he can remove your commitment of your first love, your growth will stop. And if your growth stops, your fruit stops. And if your fruit stops, guess what? You can now produce fruit into the kingdom. In fact, look at it. Re- Revelation chapter 2. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I'm going to show you that when your first love when, when, wanes or when it, when it dwindles, your works are going to stop. Your first works are going to stop. Notice what it says here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. This was Jesus talking. He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and they are not and have found them liars. And by the way, if everybody who say they're apostles, they're not apostles. Everybody who say they're a pastor, they're not a pastor. I mean, I can say that I'm a car just because I'm standing in the garage, but they don't make me a car. I'm just throwing that out there. Verse 3, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. This is Jesus talking. And have not become weary. He says in verse 4, But nevertheless, I have something against you. That you have left what, class? Come on, class. He says, listen, I know all of what you're doing. He says, but listen, you have left your first love. Which means now there's a second love, there's a third love, and there's a fourth love. He says, you have left your first love. Look in verse 5. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And then watch what he says. Repent and do what? The first works. Now, I want you to notice something. He points out that first works is what stops when your first love stops. Do you recognize that? Notice he didn't say that your works stop. He said your first works stop. And one of the first things that happens when you and I fell in love with Jesus Christ, listen, we did two things primarily. Man, we told people about Jesus and we served in church. That's what we did. Amen. In other words, we evangelized and we served. And uh, I ask every new membership class, hey, what... What brought you to Word of Truth Family Church? How did you first hear about our church? And 70 to 75% of the people say, someone invited me to come. So evangelism impacts the lives of others. And so I want to read Psalm 92 in the Amplified Version. Okay, Psalm 92. I'm going to look in verse 12 now in the Amplified Version because I want to emphasize this. If there's anything I want you to get today, I want to emphasize the fact that you and I, in order to grow, we're going to have to change. 
And I'm telling you without a doubt, God is now ready to bring some change to our church. And I'm going to explain to you what those changes are and why he wants to make them. In verse 12, it says in the Amplified, the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. I like that. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, doable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap of spiritual vitality and rich in the virtue of trust and love and contentment. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. These people, he is, a, he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Somebody say amen. One of the things that you and I can expect from a healthy person and a healthy church is growth. In fact, say this with me. Say, I can expect from a healthy person and a healthy church growth. Amen. And so what I'm about to do now is to show you what hinders a person or what hinders a church from growing. And I believe if you take these principles, you'll see that the same principles will hinder you from growing as a person in a relationship, from growing as a person in a work-related atmosphere. But I'm talking about it now in relationship as it relates to a church. So now I want you to get your Bibles. I want to go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And this story is about John the Baptist. And you're going to be shocked to hear What happened with John the Baptist, okay? Uh, In Matthew chapter 11, I'm reading it now. I think this is the King James Version. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. Notice that Jesus commanded his disciples. He didn't ask them. He commanded them. Now, I know we ain't into the commandments these days. Because we want everybody, "Don't don't be telling me you need to ask me. Well, you couldn't have been a disciple of Jesus. Come on, you at work, you all offended because your boss told you what he wanted. He didn't, he need to be asking me. Well, you work for him, don't you? Okay, well, y'all didn't like that. So let me just keep going. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an ending of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach into their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison in their cities, uh, had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto Jesus, Are you he that should come, or do we look for somebody else? Verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto them, his two disciples that he sent, Go and show John again those things. Go and show John again those things. Go and show John again these things. He had, John had already seen what Jesus was doing. Jesus said, Hey, just go tell him again. What you do here and what you see, the blind is receiving their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then verse 6, he says, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, let me give you some background. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. He was the person that God had appointed to get everybody prepared for Jesus' coming. 
He was the person that God had chosen to even baptize Jesus himself. So my question is, what made or what caused him to get offended? Well, I want you to see John the Baptist's perspective before he got offended. It's found in John chapter 3. We're going to verse, look in verse 25. John 3, 25. And I'm reading this out of the Living Bible this time because it's more expressive, all right? It says in verse 25, One day someone began an argument with John's disciples, telling them that Jesus' baptism was the best. Verse 26, So they came to John and said, Master, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you said was the Messiah, he is baptizing too. And everybody is going over there instead of coming to us. John replied, watch this, this is so mature. God in heaven appoints each man's work. My work is to prepare the way for that man so that everyone will go to him. You yourselves know how plainly I told you that I'm not the Messiah. I'm here to prepare the way for him and that is all. The crowds would naturally go to the main attraction. The bride... The bride will go where the bridegroom is. A bridegroom's friend rejoices with him. I am the bridegroom's friend and I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. What an amazing statement. There was a point in John the Baptist's life that he knew his assignment was to push the Messiah. He knew the only reason he was there was to prepare the way for people now to be pointed to Jesus Christ. And so he just described that. And let me just give you a leadership principle. Touch your neighbor and say, this is free. Let me give you a leadership principle. It's better to be a shiny, you know how a penny, you know some pennies are dull and some pennies are shiny. It's better to be a shiny second man than to be a dull first man. Okay, let me say it like this. I would rather be a shiny assistant manager than to be a dull manager. Sometimes being at the top is what we aspire to, but maybe your giftings, your talents, and your abilities just makes you a number one, number two. So now, John's response was incredible. Here's my question. What made John go from saying what we just read to him saying what we read in verse 3? And that was, should we come? uh, Are you he that came or should we look for another? And I believe that same thing that happened to John happens to church members when God is trying to grow a church. So I'm going to give you four things. Everybody say four things. Let me give you four things that are negative factors that hinder a church or an individual from growing. So you don't just have to apply this to church. That's my main reason today, because you're here for church. But I'm also wanting you to look beyond church and see if this is hindering you from any other relationships that you may have. So here's the first one. And because I'm a pastor, I have to all kind of name them the same thing. So each one of them are going to be uh, a word with a P and a C. Okay, so here's first, the first one. And each one of these is found in John the Baptist in that whole thing. And I'll point it out to you. Here's the first one, and that is personal challenges. These are negative things 
that happen that keep a church member from growing in the church and that is personal challenges. John was on board with Jesus as long as things were going well for him. But now he's experiencing some personal problems. He's in jail. He don't have bail money to get out. He's experiencing some personal problems to the point that now it's causing him to let go or it's causing him him to get in the way of his kingdom assignment and it's affecting his spiritual perspective. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen or have heard members whose life begins to experience its challenges and some difficulty. And what they do, the first thing they do is that they start letting those kingdom assignments and their participation in the kingdom starts now weighing down or starts going away. And their spiritual mindset and perspective begins to be negative. You go through a difficult time in your life and the first thing you say is, I'm too busy at church. I need to slow down. I just need to stop volunteering. All the devil's trying to get you to do is back away from your first love. If you notice, he don't try to convince you to stop going to work. Well, I'm too big. I'm tired. I'm just not going to show up for work. That's another thing. But he's just, he's just pointing to your church because he knows if he can get you to back away from your first love, then the first thing that's going to happen, your first work stops. And when your first work stops, your fruit stops. And once your fruit stops, God has no reason to bless you beyond where you are. Oh, this is good right here. I know this is not a wild message, but this is an owl message. Owl. Everybody say personal challenges. Here's number two. These are negative factors that hinder a church from growing. Number two, and that is planned changes. Planned changes. See, John the Baptist was the first one on the scene. Him and his disciples, they were there before Jesus and his disciples got there. He was baptizing before anybody else. And and as a member, you may have been here longer than anybody else. And so now, because you've been the longest person in your department, it's like, look, my ideas ought to count. What I say should go. Amen. And because we've done things a certain way and we've always done it that way, you fight any change that we want to do because it's another way of doing it. But see, in doing that, what you're really saying is the way we used to do it or the way we're doing it is the best way it can be done. And times have changed. It may not be the best way it can be done. See, my thing is, I can't call the visitors no more, but I can, watch this, raise up some people to call the visitors. Amen. People who have a problem with planned changes are those who use their influence and their voice to rattle the minds of the sheep by whispering their silent complaints. I don't know why they're doing that, girl. I don't know why they're doing that. Right? They resist change by exercising protest tactics. I just won't show up and everybody knows something is wrong with that. I'm just not showing up. 
And so you don't show up for a few Sundays and they know, you know, but let's check on so-and-so, make sure they're all right. But you're just protesting. I don't like it. These are people who want to see the church do the same thing the same way. These are people who look for things to go wrong so they can just say, I told you that wouldn't work. So they can, listen, instead of just supporting the change with their help, with their success, with their prayers, why can't they just support it that way? No, they want to protest. And that's what happens. That's sometimes why a church can't grow because everybody's in a clique. Touch your name and say, he's not talking about nobody in here. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about those people that didn't come to church today. No, no. Church getting clicks and next thing you know, they won't let nobody in. Somebody who's more gifted in an area now comes into your department and you want to put a lid on them. No, don't do that. Listen, maybe there's another area God wants you to move to. I know this is tough, but it's all good. Here's the next one. I'm almost finished. A polluted character. These are negative things that happen to a church member that keeps a church from growing. Polluted character. You say, Pastor, what is that? This is when we've allowed the negative opinions of others or the personal preferences of the leader to taint our hearts and make us critical towards them. I believe this is what happened to John. I think John was fine till people started coming to him, comparing him with Jesus. And, and maybe he felt that Jesus should have bailed him out of jail. I don't know. The Bible says he was offended. And see, if something uh, offends us, that means that somebody did something to offend us. Whether they did what they did, whether it was wrong or not, the, the thing is it offended us. And John got offended. Maybe he wanted Jesus to bail him out. Maybe he wanted he put Jesus on his visitor list and Jesus never showed up at the prison you know what it's like when you've been in there right (laughs) Uh, maybe Jesus was not doing ministry like John thought he should be doing these are members who always have a problem with things but they don't have solutions These are people who was fine when when I was preaching about blessings and God's prosperity until their family saw their blessings. And now when they listen, because the moment you start telling your family no, criticism is going to start. So now you invite them here and they have a criticism. Why he got that watch on? Well, why you got yours on? I'm trying to tell time. (laughs) That's what watches are for, right? (laughs) I mean, listen, your family was fine with your church as long as they had you under their thumb. And as long as they had more than you, they were really fine. But the moment you started using your faith to grow past them, now they have a problem with you and your church. And let me just say this. When you have negative thoughts toward people, most of the time we think it's on the outside of something that we see that triggers that. No, a lot of times that negativism that's on the, that, that we see is really on the inside of us. Let me read this real quick because I'm out of time. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. I'm reading out of the Living Bible. It says this. A person who is pure of heart sees goodness and purity in everything. But a person whose own heart is evil and untrusting finds evil in everything. For his dirty mind and rebellious heart color all that he sees and hears. And that's why, listen, that's why most people judge because judgment is in them. 
Here's the last one, and that is piled up contentions. This is better known as church offenses or church hurts. This is why you can't go to the next relationship. This is why your dating process is not working because you haven't let go of Larry. Katrina still has a hurricane in your heart. This is one of the top devil, top uh, weapons of the devil. He uses piled up contentions, church hurts from growing, from, from a, a member growing. He keeps churches from growing. He keeps people from growing in relationships. And instead of using biblical principles to resolve it, Matthew chapter 18, verse 8, it just says if your brother uh, sins against you, go to him privately and confront him. Not go to everybody in the church, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. Go to your job, so-and-so said this, so-and-so did this. Listen, the Bible says if he listens and confesses, you have won back your brother. But if not, then take one or two others with you and go back to him. Proving everything you said to be witnesses. He didn't say go and tell everybody. And most Christians, we're too, you know, we're real savvy these days. So, you know, we do, we tell our prayer partners. Not so they can pray about it, but so we can talk about it. Come on now. So how do we grow with the flow? Here's number one. Here's number one. Because I'm preparing us. And you don't want to miss next week. Next week is going to be good. But the following week, I'm going to break down what this flow looks like. So here's number one. You need to embrace change instead of resisting it. Especially if it is going to reach more people for Christ and grow God's kingdom. That's number one. Number two, become a solution-driven member or person instead of a solution-blocking person. Everybody throws up an idea. and. But you can't give them no good idea. Here's number three. Know that when God is trying to do a new thing in a church, he is also wanting to do a new thing in you. And then here's number four. Jump in the flow so you can grow. So three things are happening right now, even though you can't see it. I told you that God told me that this is where we were supposed to build the church. Didn't I tell you that? Didn't I tell you he wanted to plant us in a place of our own so we wouldn't have to move no more? Did I tell you that? Did I tell you that I was going that we were going to put a building right here on this piece of land that we had bought? Even though we bought this land in 2008, I told you it was going to be a, a building here, right? It's a building here. In other words, if I'm leading you in a direction, you better believe it's going to come to pass because I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And right now, we're preparing in the background. There are going to be three areas or three paths that now people can grow. We're going to have a path for personal growth. We're going to have classes and stuff, small groups that will help you grow personally and spiritually as a person. Then we're going to have a leadership path for growth. So if you are just, you say, Pastor, I don't just want to be a regular church member. I want to be a leader in the church. We're going to have a path for you to grow as a leader. And the interesting thing is it won't just help you to grow as a leader in the church. It'll actually actually help you grow as a leader on your job and in your community, however way. And then the third path is going to be a path for people who are going beyond just being a leader. You say, Pastor, I believe I have a call of ministry on my life. I believe God's called me to be a pastor or an evangelist or, or whatever. We're going We're going to create a path now for that. So that way now you have a path to always be growing in some area. of. That's where our church is going. You say, well, Pastor, why we didn't have that before now? I don't know, but I know we're going to have it now. (laughs) Evidently, we didn't need it or we wouldn't be here. 
Amen. You can't grow like this without doing something right. So we didn't have ministers and all that, deacons and deaconess. We didn't have all that. Apparently we didn't need it. We's are here now. So with every head bowed. Here's my question. What's hindering you from growing as a person? Is it, a, is it an offense? Is it what somebody said? Is it what somebody did? What's, what's keeping you from growing in your marriage? What's keeping you from growing as a parent? What's keeping you from growing as a church member? One of the biggest excuses I hear as a pastor is, I'm just, I'm not being fed anymore. And my response to that is, are you eating? Are you eating? Are you coming with an appetite? Or are you eating spiritual junk food all week and now you can't eat your main course when it's time to eat? What's hindering you? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're ready to make an adjustment to this church to take us places we've not known, to train us in ways we knew not of. And I pray that today we'll let go of the things that have been hindering us from growing, whether that's personally, professionally, or as a church member.